Hey, this is Eddie Van Halen. This album, without really planning it, ended up much more hard rock and roll, I guess, what we're really about, and uh, which also transferred to live much better. Uh, it was a lot of fun working with Ted Templeman again, and uh, Andy Johns, of course, uh, who's in a class by himself. It was interesting to work with. Wait, this isn't an award show. You're not receiving an award. <laughs> well, that's my perception of the... <laughs> I think I think it's our best work to date. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. time for another Van Halen album and we're getting into the ninth studio album and their third with singer Sammy Hagar and that is the four unlawful carnal knowledge record better known as the fuck record because that's a whole hell of a lot easier than to say that whole title am I right uh yeah it's a lot easier I saw him seven times on this tour by the way wow because I'm a big Sammy fan right and by this time uh making a little money at work they came around a lot. They played in SAC. They played in Mountain View. They played in Reno. They came around twice. Like, and they played back-to-back nights in a couple of places. So it was well worth the time. There's no doubt. And they were great shows. So I saw them once on this tour, and we're going to get into all that and discuss it. But before we do that, like we've done on the rest of these Van Halen album reviews, we brought along a special friend. So I'm going to announce that on this episode and this episode only, we have bought along the one the only Anton LaVey from the Church of Satan. <laughs> Anton, tell us, how are you doing today, buddy? Oh, man, here we go with that shit. All right. You know, it's funny. Before you guys started calling me that, uh, there's actually a guy locally that called me that. And I was like, who the fuck is that, dude? I don't even know who the hell that is. <laughs> yeah, and then he pulled it up on his phone. I was like, oh, shit, I do look like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we bought Tony Musalem from Restrain on to uh, go through this fuck album with us. Tony, what's going on? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. You know, just trying to stay busy and sane out here in California. You getting excited for uh, Mork in uh, February? Sure, if it happens. It'll happen. <laughs> It'll definitely He's, happen. The mask mandate went back into effect today, right? Yeah, I believe so. I don't know. I've been yeah. I've been off this week, so I, I really yeah. don't know. But um, yeah. yeah, that's what I heard today. Did you finally jump on the Kiss Cruise? Are you going to make that happen? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a room and everything. Um, I'm ready to go, but I don't think we're going to be ready to go. <laughs> Things keep going the way it is, you know. I don't know. We'll see. I think you guys will be fine. More and more ships are sailing uh, every day, and uh, you know the bands might change a little bit, but I think the cruise is definitely going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the lineup itself for me, not really that big of a deal. I just really want to hang with all the friends, you know, from the podcast and whatnot. So that's that's really why I'm going. So that's why I'm hoping it goes, because literally there's three bands that I give a shit about seeing on that cruise. I'll check out everybody, of course, but there's like three that I actually care about. Are we talking about Kiss or Mork? Oh, the Kiss Cruise. No, okay. Mork is great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, Mork is, oh, that's a great lineup. And I don't want to hang out with any of you guys on that cruise. So I just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to see anybody. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there was one. There was one cruise. Uh, Mark Tony's brother. For those that don't know, uh, I didn't see Mark at all. The whole cruise, 
because yeah. all the bands he loves, I absolutely hate. So we were all a different out, <laughs> different concert. Yeah, yeah. Is that the one that Danny was on? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. They they hung out like the whole time. Yeah, because they love the same band. Yeah, the same garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> so, Tony, what's your Van Halen story? Where does Van Halen come into your life? Well, as we've discussed, I think on this uh, podcast before, I grew up in Saudi Arabia from about uh, seventy nine to eighty five. So all elementary and junior high, I was over there. So really, we only music we got was what people brought back with them, you know. Um, and I was listening to a lot of pop and things at that time. But the video for Jump came through. Uh, so that's that was my first taste of Van Halen. I was blown away by Eddie, of course, uh, everything that he did. So that's that's where I started. And uh, I moved back in 85. So the first record I got uh, outside of 85 was 5150. So and that's actually my first rock concert was Van Halen on the 5150 tour. And do you consider yourself a Sammy guy? No, 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 not at all. The only song I had ever heard from Sammy prior to 5150 was Can't Drive 55. I had no knowledge of that guy at all. So do you like it all? Are you more a Sam guy, more Dave guy or or indifferent? I like it all because I don't care Mm. enough about who's in the band, honestly. If it sounds good and the songs are good, I don't give a shit who's singing it, right? I don't know. I don't know if I prefer Dave or... uh, Sammy, I'm not sure. Well, that's an important thing that you did point out for those of you that are new to the show or just joining us. Tony from Restrain, which is a great rock band. We're going to talk a little bit more about them here coming up. But Tony was on the show, I want to say like the ninth episode of Growing Up Rock, something like that. The ninth, the 11th episode. It was real early on, and he talked about his influences and the band. So I would encourage you guys to go back and check that episode out if you want to learn more about Restrain and Tony. Uh, It's definitely a good episode in that early catalog. So, Tony, before we get too far into Van Halen and the fuck record, you know we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. Well, what else? We're going to turn it over to our guest, Tony, and let him talk a little bit about what he's going to play for us tonight. All right. Uh, So this is a song called Don't Look In Her Eyes. It's on our uh, latest record that we released uh, last year. Yeah, during the pandemic. So pretty much nobody has a clue that we put it out. It started with a bass riff from our bass player because we forced him to come up with something and he came up with a little riff. And that's that main riff that starts the song. From there, we just built on it. Uh, Lyrically, Johnny started me off by uh, with those first lines. She's the calm before the storm, strange and seductive, moves like heaven and sin. From there, I just I just started writing, and I really didn't know what I was writing about until I finally finished it and realized I wrote about Medusa. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Unintentional, but you know. So check out "Don't Look in Her Eyes" from the Gods of War. Oh, 
So on that album, to me, that's the most docking sounding riff. And who's doing, is that you on the solo? Because it sounds like you on the solo. Yeah, yeah, that's me on the solo. Uh, break yeah. did you break the wah pedal because like i don't i don't remember you using a lot of wah in the past i don't i don't i use it from time to time i i maybe one song per record i use the wah but it just it just seemed to fit because when i first came up with the solo for this one johnny kind of looked at me sideways and i was like what's wrong he said i just thought it should be dirtier and i was like okay so i rewrote it and then when i did rewrite it, i was like you know what this would really sound good with a wah on it yeah and so there it is so for me, Restrain does a really good job of mixing the heavy riffs, like heavy, pretty heavy stuff. But usually when you get to that course part, that's where the docking influences come in and the layered background vocals and stuff like that. And that solo came across to me as very Lynch influenced a little bit. Oh, for sure. For sure. They're, they're, I mean, right out the gate when, it, when he said make it dirtier, I just, I don't know, it automatically took me to Lynch. Yeah, you have a little bit of that staccato picking style that Lynch and Demartini had a little bit of that as well in mm -hmm. his uh, technique. So good stuff. Good stuff from Restrain. And again, the album is Gods of War, correct? God of War. Yeah. God of War. No, isn't there a Z on the end or am I there making that up? There is no Z. You Z? made that up. See, yeah, you put it in the notes. I'm like, there's no Z. See, I'm, I'm throwing this back. This isn't Peter Tales. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing back to that old 80s influence where you had to have like a Z on the end or something like right. that. I don't know where right, I right. saw that. I saw somebody has a Z on the end of gods, and I guess I just threw it in there. I often make a lot of shit up, and Sonny has to correct me, but that's why, <laughs> that's why I basically just finish everything I'm saying with a question mark. It is called <laughs> Gods of War, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't even tell you how many times I'm listening to your episodes and I start yelling at you through the, you know, in the car. No, oh. wrong, bumpkin. <laughs> no, bumpkin. The stupid shit is, is that I actually research the shit. It's just that in the spur of the moment, my brain can't quickly make the decision. So I always end up screwing it up. It is what it is. Yeah, but you and, can research the day of the episode. Yeah, that's part of it. And then, uh -huh. Tone, you said it a while back that sometimes he says bought when he's supposed yeah. to say brought. Right. Dude, I did not realize it. how many times he does that. Now I hear it all the time. I'm an old man, but crying out loud. You're going to kill an old man, you coward. Does it really make a difference whether you're brought in it or bought in it? <laughs> well, neither one of those are words, so... <laughs> It's already been brought in. Listen, I say a lot of shit. Sonny slurs a lot of his words, and he's not even drinking. So that's true. That's true. We uh, That's years and years and years of Jack Daniels that's still there. <laughs> like, I can't get rid of it. That's residual. Yeah. Yeah. We all have quirks, so bear with it. And by the way, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> that. Bloop. Bloop. All right. Let's get into... The Van Halen Fuck Record. So a few facts about this record. It's the ninth studio album, as I said. It's their third with singer Sammy Hagar. It would mark the first time since 1984 that the band would work with Ted Templeman, even though the album was basically produced also by Andy Johns. There's a lot of controversy and all that. If you read Ted Templeman's book, he talks a lot about it. Basically, the idea is that Sammy really did not work well with Andy Johns. And it's my understanding that Andy Johns was really messed up on like cocaine at the time of recording this record. And he was messing with all kinds of stuff. And Sammy was not having it. So Sammy basically reached out to Ted Templeman behind Andy Johns back 
and bought in Ted Templeman. If you read some of the interviews with Eddie Van Halen, he says that Sammy bought in Ted because Ted would let Sammy get away with murder. I don't know how true that is because I think at the time of this recording, Eddie wasn't really doing all that well either as far as some of the substance abuse. The record was released June 17th, 1991, recorded in March and April, March 1990 through April 1991. It was recorded at 5150 Studios. The length of the record is 52 minutes, which is really long for a Van Halen record. Labels, Warner Brothers. The record came out and debuted at number one on Billboard. The album won a Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance, and it ended up selling 3 million copies. The album title. So let's talk a little bit about the album title. The album title, which I had heard several different things. The title came from lead singer Sammy Hagar, who wanted to push the issue of censorship by naming the album Just Fuck, stating that the censorship was a big issue. Hagar eventually backed away from that. That's probably a pretty good idea, Hagar. I'm guessing Warner Brothers said you will back off of that. But anyway, after that, he was told by a friend... Ray Boom Boom Mancini that the word fuck was an acronym for the phrase for unlawful carnal knowledge. This is actually bullshit. So it's not an acronym for for unlawful carnal knowledge. And I actually thought that that was a truth. Did you guys think the same thing? No. It's Boom Boom Mancini. So, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I would never take his word anyway. I didn't know it came from him, but I always thought that for unlawful carnal knowledge is where the word fuck came from. And that's incorrect, basically. <laughs> that surprises you in some way. <laughs> <laughs> so our friends at Rolling Stone rated it a two out of five stars, further proving their dipshits. Anyway, the album cover, not much to this album cover. It's the logo, the title of the album over to me, what looks like a red football skin. What do you guys think? Exactly. I was thinking red football, red basketball. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking like a briefcase. Like a leather briefcase? Could be that as well, but they're little tiny round circles, sort of. <laughs> uh, yeah, those little bumps. Yeah. Only yeah, you. but that's just like any other leather. That figure's three-piece suit over there carries a briefcase. Right. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. Nerd. The pictures in the jacket are pretty cool. They look like they're from the recording sessions. Right? They're from yeah, kind of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Just some yeah. candids. Yeah. 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 And it looks like they're having a good time, right? They look like they're all together still. The cracks aren't showing yet. Now, in my opinion, out of 5150 OU812 and the fuck record, their image to me, for the most part, looks a little bit more honest and the coolest in this period of time. Although I will say, 1991, this is when grunge starts taking place, right? I went out and I watched this video of them playing Pound Cake at the MTV Music Awards in 91, and Sammy was wearing flannel t-shirt and shorts, and I think they were like moccasin shoes. It was ridiculous looking. Alex had no shirt on and pajama pants. That's normal for him. That was normal for him. Michael sure. Anthony was wearing leather pants, and Eddie's wearing jeans. Mm -hmm. Like they were, you would not know they were in the same band. Exactly. 
which I think is something that Dave always bought to the band. I mean, he made it a point to kind of bring them together stylistically. That was one of the things they talked about in the beginning. But yeah, it definitely an interesting time for this record to come out. Eddie starts using different amps at this time. He abandons his Marshalls and starts moving into what would eventually become the PV-5150s. I think he started out with Soldano amps. Uh, and it changes his sound once again. But by this time, to me, Eddie's Brown sound is long gone. You agree with that, Tony? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I miss the just the simplicity of the old tone from the old records. It's just like... <sighs> Like Johnny does this all the time too. He chases tone constantly, right? I knew what amp I wanted. I finally got it. I haven't changed in 12 years because, well, that's the sound that I wanted. So why change it? But he's constantly tweaking. He's got like, oh, I don't know. Well, actually, I, I shouldn't say anything. I got three amp, three heads too. But still, I only mainly use my, my Mesa Boogie because that's what I wanted. So yeah, no, I wish. I, I prefer uh, the old Van Halen tone, that simple sound. But, you know, I, I, I get it. George does the same thing. He's constantly changing. You know how many heads that guy has? It's insane. Yeah, but he, he's pretty much stuck with Marshalls other than the he went uh, Randall for a long time, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep, which is why I got a Randall back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Now, you talked about seeing this tour seven times, Sonny. Tony, did you see this tour at all? Nope. So I didn't realize it at the time. I saw the tour once here in Atlanta, and it just happened to be opening night of this tour, which I had no idea till I went out there and looked at uh, some YouTube videos, and they opened up the tour here in Atlanta, and Alice in Chains opened up the show. I went to the show on promoter tickets because Alice in Chains was opening. So CBS gave me promoter tickets. I had probably third or fourth row, really good seats, and Alice in Chains played, and in between Alice in Chains and Van Halen, I went to the side of the stage and took pictures with Alice in Chains. I got those somewhere, but that was on their first tour, I think, on that uh, facelift was the first record. They were good from what I can remember. I don't remember a ton about them, but I thought they were pretty good. But I mean, I was there to see Van Halen. Come on. And the set list, I think the set list for that night, according to uh, Set List FM, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but they opened with Pound Cake, went into Judgment Day, Played Spanked, Run Around, When It's Love, There's Only One Way to Rock, Bass Solo, Drum Solo, AFU, Naturally Wired, Panama, Why Can't This Be Love, Finish What You Started, Eagles Fly, Guitar Solo, Best of Both Worlds, Can't Drive 55, The Dream Is Over, In and Out, and then the encore was Jump, which says it was the first live performance since May of 86 of Jump. You really got me and top of the world. So like all Van Halen tours, they always play a shitload off whatever album they're promoting. So that hasn't changed since the beginning. They've always done that. And there's a side note in here that says that the keyboards and piano parts were performed off stage by Alan Fitzgerald, who used to be the keyboard player in Night Ranger, which I found interesting. I didn't know that. So There's no way a band would get away with opening the set list with four new songs in a row that would never happen now i don't know if it ever happened then to be honest with you van halen is notorious for that though they've always played a shitload of of songs off of whatever album they're promoting ever since their first album they've done that uh and that's just been their thing and iron maiden kind of does that a lot too right yeah 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 the first time they came around here 
Alice in Chains was opening. The second time they came around, Baby Animals was opening. Oh damn! And I'm and I'm surprised you haven't seen didn't see the show. I saw it in sack three times. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember seeing it. Put it that way. Yeah, you know. Mm. Yeah, that's that's weird. It there were great shows. I'm telling you because I went. I saw them in San Francisco in 92. That was the second time around. They played Reno the next night. So I drove to Reno after the show, stayed the night there, and then they played Sacramento the very next night. So I saw them back-to-back-to-back, San Francisco, Reno, Sacramento. Huh. And this was 91. Dude, I was I was back in 92. Concert. Yeah, you were. But I saw them twice in Mountain View, Mountain View, back-to-back nights. How did I not go? I don't understand. I don't I, I don't, I'm clueless. That's That's strange. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Going into this album, if we talked about, you know, we all said, geez, you know, let's really, you know, hopefully let's make a Van Halen masterpiece. And to me, it's really as close as we could come at this stage in our in our lives. And uh, my perception of this album is that uh, we had probably the most fun doing this album uh, than any other album we've done. For all you guitar players out there, uh, be watching and listening for uh, Ed's playing on this album because I think he plays some of the best stuff that he's ever played. We have bass on the album. We have a big sound. This will probably be the best sounding album or is the best sounding album that we've ever done. Hi, this is Alex. My perception of the record is totally different than the three that won't be performing. I think it was kind of a meeting of the minds. Uh, it was uh, the man who brought you Led Zeppelin, that's Andy Johns, meets Van Halen. We had a lot of fun rehashing old times and just playing just rock and roll until the songs kind of evolved from what we were doing in there. We, we spent a lot of time, 8, 10, 12 hours a day, just playing. And out of, the, out of those uh, jam sessions came songs. Finally, when all was said and done, uh, if we were left to our own devices with Andy and assorted uh, bevies and such, we probably would have taken 10 years to finish this record. So uh, Ted Templeman came to our aid and kind of put the whole thing together. It's, pro- it's probably the best representation that anybody will hear of what the band really is live. Bound cake, well, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says it is made from one pound of all equal ingredients. And it's a very simple, rich, old, down-home recipe. And uh, I just thought, you know, it's just, look, it's gone, you know, people are out eating eclairs and all these fancy desserts that are made from 15, 20 different elements and things. And, and, and pound cake is like, yeah, you know, it is like the Bigfoot, you know. Pound cake is like simple and real and good. You know what you're eating.
so let's get into this record. Okay, so starting with Pound Cake, you know, before we get to Tony's thoughts here, <laughs> I was thinking, I saw this thing saying, uh, Eddie once said, by sheer luck, I picked up the drill in the studio and it was the same key as a song. I don't know if I walk around turning on power tools and blenders and to see what musical key they're in. Like, that's just, I guess when you're a genius and you're just kind of in the moment, you start doing stuff and every once in a while it works. I don't really know. But, you know, before you tell us about Pound Cake Tone, I don't know where Van Halen is in your favorite guitar player. Kind of, I know you're a huge Martini fan. You're obviously a huge Lynch fan, but I've never really heard you talk about Eddie. Hmm, this is true. This is very true. I think with Eddie, he's just always kind of been there, but he hasn't influenced me very much as far as style wise, right? Because he's very unique. Like he's super unique, honestly. Yeah, you can, you can, you can emulate him, but. Like I said, he was the first guitar player that made me go, oh, shit, what the hell is that? You know what I mean? Right out the gate when I saw Jump, which not even one of his best solos, let's be real. But, you know, I was pretty naive at the time. So he's a legend. Like, what do you, what do you say about Eddie Van Halen? You can't say a negative thing about the guy, you yeah. know? I think based on the time that you're talking about, Tony, I think probably he influenced a lot of the people that were influencing you right but exactly. if you're yeah. if you're coming in at 85 86 then he's already influenced a slew of people and you're leading off those guys i'm guessing oh for sure everybody's been influenced by eddie and i shouldn't say i wasn't influenced at all because it definitely bleeds through a little bit but you're not going to hear it in the way i play now yeah so your thoughts on pound cake i think this is a killer way to open a record killer song to open a record i uh, love it uh, I love Michael's bass line. It's super simple, just staccato, but it's exactly what the song needs, right? Uh, the drill gimmick was cool. It's a nice touch, even though Paul Gilbert did it first on Lean Into It back in March, but it was still used very effectively in the song, I think. So I thought it was, I thought it was, I think it's a great song. I mean, you can ask these guys, I drove nuts. It was right at the end. Pound Cake almost didn't get the record because I couldn't finish it. I rewrote the lyrics seven, eight, ten times a piece until I got them right to where every word means something. So therefore, when I sing it, I mean it. I'm not just singing some lyrics. And I'm telling you, it made all the difference in the world for my vocal performance. Yeah, Stephen, uh, this is one of those songs that Roth could do. This is Roth-esque, right? Uh, yeah, I could definitely hear it. I never really thought about it because, I mean, my feelings are I love the song so much. I don't know whether Eddie heard Gilbert do this or not. I doubt it based on some of the stuff I've heard that Eddie doesn't really listen to a whole bunch of outside stuff. And knowing that Eddie is such a tinkerer, such a mess around with stuff thing, I kind of buy the power tools in the shop. I mean, you've seen pictures of his studio. It's a complete mess of parts and power tools and everything else. So I almost kind of buy that whole thing. But this song is just... I'm a Dave guy from the very beginning, but this song is one that definitely creeps into my Van Halen top 10. I really love this song. Yeah, for me, it's a great opening track. There's no doubt about that. I love that whole, let me get some of that. That's fun. Uh, those lyrics have been out there, tried a little bit of everything, but it's all sex without love. I found the real thing is pound cake with strawberries and whipped cream, right? Pound right. cake tastes like shit 
without strawberries and whipped cream. Not good pound cake. <laughs> no, a good pound cake is good pound yeah. cake. Yeah. You obviously haven't had good pound cake. Exactly. <laughs> obviously, I've only had frozen pound cake. Oh. No, good pound cake is really, really supreme without anything on it. Sammy said that he rewrote these lyrics like a million times, but the bottom line was he was kind of announcing to the world that Van Halen is just kind of a meat and potatoes band pound cake. He said from the first time he heard the riff that Eddie played him. And I think one of the things that sticks out for me is how much different this record sounds than OU812. Like after OU812, when you first hear pound cake, because that was the first thing that I heard off this record, it's like, okay, now we're talking. We got bass, we got bottom end, we got drums, we got guitar, we got the whole thing. Because OU812 for me was just, it was not recorded well or not did not sound great. All right, so Judgment Day, I remember, so I'm listening to the song the other day, and that horsey sound starts the song, right? And I remember Tone walking around fucking guitar trying to make elephant sounds, horse sounds, <laughs> uh, whale sounds, and yeah. I'm like, oh my God, Tone must have been trying to figure out what the hell Eddie did at the beginning <laughs> of that song. What do you think about Judgment Day? Judgment Day, I, I literally wrote in my notes the whammy song. It's a great driving riff. Um, not sure what that little filler section is between the first two verses. I think the pre-chorus is great. The chorus, though, uh, lackluster for me. Lackluster. Cool use of the whammy in the solo, though. And why is Sammy talking? Why is he talking? <laughs> Man, everything all right? Yeah. Like, what? What? Shut up. What are you talking for? You're not Dave. Stop that. Stop that. Uh, so just kind of... Uh,
Steven, uh, you know, if you made it through OU812 and you bought the next record, then you were rewarded with two pretty good pacing songs right out of the gate, right? Love it. Talked about it a million times. After 1984 and Dave leaves the band, I'm gone. I'm out of there. I'm heartbroken. I checked out. Sammy's hired. I'm like, Sammy? He hates Dave and Dave hates him. Why'd they hire Sammy? I don't like this. That's why. Uh, and then yeah, and then we get some ballads and I don't like that. And so I'm checked out. OU812 completely missed on its first go around. But then I hear Pound Cake. And this brings me back to the fold. This album brought me back to the Van Halen fold. As we go through this, I'll point different things out, but Judgment Day, I love it. Two songs right off the bat that kick my ass. I'm in. Yeah, I like that it's heavy and that whole why should I like, I love stuff like that, and uh, they did a good job of adding that in. So we go from two great songs to, uh, I dialed 1-900-SPANK today, and it was a deli in Atlanta. So uh, <laughs> supposedly, uh, it's right around the corner from you, Steven, so you might want to check that out. But uh, that's a front. <laughs> that's why my name on this uh, podcast is called Steven on the Spank Line. <laughs>
Tone, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. this is not a great song for you. Uh, not a great song? This is one of the clunkers that we're discussing. This is a terrible song. Uh, this sounds to me like uh, the inside version 2.0, okay, from 5150. That's, that's how I heard it. The pre is literally the only decent part of the song. The rest of it is just complete garbage. <laughs> and the Period. pre, that bad, bad boys thing, made me feel like Duran Duran. Like it, it was kind of like coming back a little bit. That's the chorus. Whatever. Yeah. But that it felt like it, Duran Duran to me. Yeah, very Duran Duran. Yeah. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Steven, I was thinking, okay, so the vocal melody's all over the place. But a song called Spank shouldn't have oohs, right? They should have oh, oh's or uh, uh's. I don't know about the ooh in the middle. It- so you know me. You know my reputation. 13 inches is a tough load. I don't treat you gently. The song is not good. Tell me you don't like this song. So, so I knew that this would be one of the clunkers, at least with you, Tony. I, I had suspicions, but you two are two peas in a pod. So a lot of times I just chuck it up to both you chuckleheads. Yes, I do actually like this song. You would. I'm not surprised. Here's what I like. I like to be spanked. One. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway. No. Yeah, I? Here, here's what I like. I do like the pre-course on it. I actually like the ooze because here's what I think Van Halen really does well. Van Halen likes to take a sort of nasty groove and I like the groove feel in this song. They like to take it and smooth it out with some of these vocal harmonies. And it feels good to me, or it it sounds good to my ears. And that's what I like. Is it my favorite song on the record? Absolutely not. Is it a letdown after the first two songs? Yes, it is. But it's different. It sounds different. It changes up things a little bit without totally like turning me off. So I like the groove. I like the pre-chorus. I like the melody background vocals of this tune. I like the overall theme because let's face it, who doesn't like to get spanked by the right woman? Come on. And so, yeah, it's it's not bad stuff. I understand why people don't dig it. Yeah, that's that's not the kind of spanking they're talking about there, pal. <laughs> it's a spank line. Get it? Phone sex. <laughs> get it? You know? <laughs> All right, we I'm just saying you can bring the line to life. Yeah, it's a bad song. Move on. <laughs> Next. <laughs> All right. So we'll get to run around here. Now, you know, personal opinion here. But if you are a big Sammy fan, then you know that this is very Sammy influence. This is what Sam would write at this point in time for his own albums. But then you put the kind of the spirit of Van Halen in this song. God, it's just a fun song to me, and it still sounds great. Tone, what do you think about Runaround? Love it. It's a, it's a great song. The, the riff is great. The pre, to me, is probably the highlight of the song. Of course, it's a little lazy, but it's, it's perfect for what it is, right? Super catchy, just good. It fits. And then we get to the bridge, and Sammy's talking again. Why is he talking? Stop it. We're going to talk about some Sammy talking a little bit later on, but it's funny that you're pointing these things out. God damn it. it. It bothers me so much listening to this album. I was like, God, he's talking again. Super lazy. I will tell you that bugs me sometimes. It actually does not bug me in this song. I actually like that. Oh, uh, 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 oh man, it's hot enough. Like, I love <laughs> that coming back in after the solo. So, Stephen, your thoughts on Runaround? Tony, I think uh, Sonny's constipated after that. Can you get some <laughs> Miralax time or something? Oh, man. <laughs> it's hot enough. <laughs> Holy but shit. But you make it hotter. That's the last thing I want to hear to stall. <laughs> uh. 
Damn it. <laughs> Who does number two work for? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I love this song. I think the melody is great. The background vocals and the course is really good. It's a fantastic song. And one thing I'd like to point out, so we're four songs into this record. This record to me is flowing really, really well. Like I like the sequencing on this record so far. Spanked changes up the sound, but Runaround brings it right back. And I dig it. So you like high, high, basement, back up to high again? You like that flow? Yeah, but I don't think it's basement. Oh, I do. I thought it changed the sound is all. Oh, it did. <laughs> I, agree with you on, I agree with you there. Agree to disagree. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> during uh, this album, Van Halen won a Grammy for best hard rock performance. By the way, if you're wondering, they beat ACDC Money Talks. Uh, Alice in Chains, Man in the Box, and Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 2. It was not 
because of the song Pleasure Dome. I could tell you that full show. So, Tony, what do you think about Pleasure Dome? Uh, I try not to. The intro is too freaking long, right? A minute of nothing. And then what do we get? Sammy fucking talking again. God damn it. Like, why? Stop it. Second part of the verses are good. The chorus is complete garbage. Eddie's playing is the only thing that's salvageable that on this terrible, terrible song. Complete clunker. And if you like this one, dude, Stephen, I'm, I'm hanging up. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
So this is, Stephen, where, you know, you read the stories about Andy Johns and Templeman and Sammy not being happy. This song's a little all over the place. So this song feels like it may be paid a price. This song is seven minutes of an awful ending to a great start. So this is the end of side one if you're a vinyl collector or you're still playing cassettes or whatever. It's seven minutes, six minutes and 58 seconds of this song. And this is the song that I was referencing earlier where it's just like, I hate all that talking crap. It's super lazy. This song is just a weak point for me. And Tony nailed it when he said the only thing really salvageable about this song is Eddie's playing. But that's kind of the theme of a lot of Van Halen songs that aren't great. It's always Eddie's playing that people are like, well, you got that going for you. So (laughs) anyway, but yeah, it's a not a good ending for the first side. I do not love Pleasure Dome. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Sammy says that the secret ingredient of Van Halen is your vocals. Is my vocals? You are the vocal sound. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I'm... <laughs> I, I'll tell you that when I when I first joined Van Halen, part of the reason was I had I had lead, been lead singing in bands that I'd been in, and I was, yeah. and I was thinking, ah, oh, well, Ed sings and <laughs> Al even sings background, and uh, I'll just play bass, you know, and that'll be great. And then uh, all of a sudden I started singing again. <laughs> you had some sort of promotional deal with Jack Daniels, right? You had a Jack Daniels bass. Oh, That's still a thing. That, that'll haunt me forever. <laughs> See what happens is a passing youthful. I, it was right? well, yes, it was. I fancy a little nip of Jack Daniels every now and then. <laughs> Flip the record over. They come to a very Montrose sounding track. Mm. In and out.
tone. It feels like they started recording in the middle of Eddie playing. Like, it's very weird. It's like he's in the middle of a solo or something when the song starts. Gosh, I don't know about that. I kind of liked it. But what I'm not a fan, I, like, I think the riff is great. I, what I'm not really much a fan of is the Wild Thing verses, right? <laughs> it's literally Wild Thing, right? But the second part of the verses are pretty cool when the music is a little bit more consistent. I think the chorus is a little lazy and weak, uh, and there's really no hook in the song. However, I still kind of like it. It moves, but it's it's just kind of, yeah, it's good. You know, it's okay. Yeah, Stephen, to me, the hook in this song, I think, was supposed to be they got you coming in, they got you right. going out, in and out, right? right? And I think he forgot words just can't be the hook. There also right. has to be a hook. Exactly. <laughs> Steve, Stephen, what do you think? Sonny, you didn't like the uh, 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 uh. <laughs> in this song? Come on. You liked it? He does like that. It. That Sammy <laughs> and Joan Jett. Those two, I hear it all the time, so uh, I'm used to it. Poor Sammy. needs more fiber in his diet. <laughs> anyway, I actually like this tune a lot, and here's one of the things I like about it. I've told you a, a lot in the past that I'm really not a lyrics guy, and that's pretty much true. But I love the theme of this tune. I never really thought about it before, but they really do have you going in and really do have you going out. You guys both have kids. It cost you a shitload of money to have a baby. You got kids. kids. Don't you have a kid? <laughs> Hell no. Oh, your brother. Your brother has one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He that, has like 10. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I get mixed up. Anyway, Sonny's okay. got enough for both of us. This is true. So they, they got you going in. So when you're coming into the world, it's really expensive to have a kid. And they got you going out because funerals are ridiculous in cost. So it's really, mm. it's an interesting theme. I kind of like it. I like the song. I like the groove. I agree with Tony. It, it moves and it's, it's a good song. Yeah. All right. So the next song, Man on a Mission, I'm, I'm telling you, Tony's jealous because he wished he would have wrote. I'm a man on a mission, straight ahead, less talk, more action, with no distractions. I'm all conditioned, thoroughbred, go for the action with no distractions. You know you jealous. You know, it's funny you pointed that out because I actually wrote down how like stupid that part was. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Horrible, lazy. I don't even understand what you're talking about. Let's knock it off with the rhymes. Those are those are those are so basic. But anyway, um, I think it's a it's it's a it's got a great groovy intro riff. Man, that's a cool riff. Um, the verse is cool. I didn't really care for the backing vocals in the pre-chorus, though. I thought that was a little weird sounding, uh, kind of whiny. You know what I mean? Uh, the chorus is just kind of meh for me. So it, this one's okay. It's it's definitely not a standout in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Steven, I like this song, but it's the music that's driving it for me. That's it. 100%. I love the groove in this song. It's got a mm -hmm. dirty, nasty groove to this song. And uh, yeah, it's another good song. So you're starting off the off of side two with two good songs. They're not, they're not like, Oh my God, but they're good songs.
So the next song, Dream Is Over, Tone, I was thinking, man, this should have been a theme song for a movie. It would have been a number one movie hit. I, I could see that being on a, a soundtrack somewhere, for sure. But, you know, again, we start with freaking Sammy talking again. Anyway, uh, the verse is kind of meh, right? The riff is cool. Pre is okay, but then that chorus just comes out, and it's just, holy smokes, right? Super catchy, super fluffy. You can't not like that. You're going to walk around singing it after you hear it. Uh, and this is the exact kind of guitar solo I want to hear from Eddie Van Halen. This one right here. Wake up. are the kind of songs steven that we will hear in commercials sooner or later like somebody will bring this song up to sell i don't know mattresses fiber. or whatever what yeah fiber whatever <laughs> but uh the, the poppy of this song you oh. cannot deny there's no way steven you like the song you know here's an interesting thing about this song when i went to listen to this record and looked at the back of the record and started going down the songs this was one of the songs that i was like i don't know what this song is i'm not sure now as soon as as soon as i played it i knew but the dream is over title didn't stick in my head 
And when I played it, I was like, oh, yeah, I really like this tune. Yeah, this is a great song. And yes, I do. I love it. It is a fantastic poppy song. It goes right in with Run Around and Top of the World and things like that. It's just a, a good tune. And yeah, I dig it. And I can totally hear it in commercials for sure. It was the same thing for me. I looked at the albums and the titles and I was like, what the hell is that song? Mm -hmm. But then once I heard it, I was like, oh, right, 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 right. right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so the next song. Right now, Tony's pissing me off. Right now, (laughs) Steam is making no sense. Right now, it's time to believe everything I'm saying is right. And right now, I'm hanging up on these two fuckos. Cole's favorite song, Tone, right? I mean, this is a good song. Uh, no, it's not a good song. What? This is a fantastic song. Start to finish, great song. Everything about it is is just so well written and so well performed. I think it's it, this one's perfect. You know what I mean? I love the breakdown in the bridge and how it builds up into that solo. So good. And Eddie knows this is where you can talk about what makes a guitar player great, right? He could have gone off the rails, but he gave you a little bit of flash super amount of taste right it's just so this I, this song is just i love this song i hate the video oh i love the video no, i love the video i can't even hear the song 
trying to read all the shit that's on the screen. It's so distracting. <laughs> so distracting. I mean, it's a great video, but it's so yeah. distracting. Yeah. But uh, it's it's fantastic. I love this one. I'll tell you, I saw the video the other day. It is worth a watch. Go to YouTube and watch this video. But uh, Stephen, I cannot believe the song wasn't number one because, man, it is written to be a number one song for sure. Tony, the video is distracting for you because you're reading at a third grade level, my friend. You got to speed right. up. That's you right. got to speed up that reading, my friend. That's right. <laughs> and that's coming from a second grade level reader myself. But anyway, <laughs> that's besides the point. Listen, this song is fantastic, but you know, it's interesting because we're now pretty much through most of the album. We're at number nine. And right now you're right now, you're first right now. <laughs> you're first getting a taste of keyboards. So they've gone through pretty much a whole record without any of the cheesy keyboards or any of that stuff and they get to right now and i think it's the perfect placement for this song i love this song i really love the pocket of the piano the drums and the bass i love that that pocket groove that it has the song is fantastic i love it even if it's a I guess it's sort of a little bit slower tune than the rest of the record, but uh, I dig it. This is a great song for sure. So then we get to the first Van Hagar instrumental, 316. Tone, do you care? You know, I, I really like this one. I'm not really a big instrumental fan, right? But, and, and honestly, it doesn't need to be there. No, it really doesn't. But when we're at practice in rehearsals, this pops up just randomly. I don't know why one of us will just start playing this. Don't know why, but it's always there. Uh, and I like the fact that he changes it up just before it becomes too repetitive. And I think yeah. it's, it's a good length. So it's, it's not, it's not one of those like, Jesus Christ, skip for me. Eh, if it's on in the background, I'll leave it. You know, I like it. Stephen, I guess the world will never forget that March 16th is Wolfie's birthday. 316, obviously, <laughs> Wolf's birthday. I guess nobody will ever forget that. My feelings on this song are the chord structure is really soothing to my ears. Like, I really like that chord structure pattern. I actually think it is too repetitive. Uh, I think it's him noodling around and he's latched on to that main riff idea and doesn't know where to take it he does change it up towards the end of it but i think it's a little bit too repetitive it's a minute and 29 seconds so not that big of a deal but i do like the acoustic sound i guess it's an electric guitar with an acoustic sound but i like the sound that he's dialed in for this and i like the soothing chord structure at the beginning but that's pretty much it for me yeah, well, just just be glad it's not three minutes and 16 seconds. Yeah, because that would have been really cool. Or six <laughs> minutes and 58 seconds. All right, all right, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the last song on the record, Top of the World. I've been listening to this record a lot the last, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks. This is the song. Like, I'll be just humming, standing on top of the world. Like, I, I don't know why. I, there's other songs I absolutely love more on this record. But this is the one that's so pop-oriented that it gets stuck in my head. So, Tone, what do you think about Top of the World? Ah, it's a great song. 
It's a great opening riff. All the riffs actually in this song are great to me. The verse, the pre, the chorus, all the melodies are really good. Man, it, this is just a really great song. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's probably the maybe the catchiest one vocally to sing along with. It, it kind of sticks in your head, as you always say, earworm, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I would agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's a great song. So, Stephen, before Tone joined us, we've heard this riff before. So, Stephen, what would you think about this song? <laughs> well, first of all, I absolutely love this song. I've talked about it on other episodes before. This song just makes me feel good. It's got, you know, the theme is good. It's it's a winter theme. And it's just, it's a great song from start to finish. And, yeah, the riff you're referencing, Eddie does it all the time. He uses bits and pieces in other songs. You find recordings where they're the beginning of something that became later on. You pointed it out to me before we started recording this episode. If you listen to Jump just after the solo, around the 3 minute and 30 second mark, you'll hear the beginning riff of this tune. Jump. 
Yeah, it happens all the time, but I love this tune. I think it's one of the better songs on this record. It's just, it's killer and a great way to end the record. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So 11 songs. Tone, give me your bottom two, top two. Okay. Bottom two was easy. <laughs> Steven's favorite song, Spanked, uh, and Pleasure Dome. I mean, those are the two biggest clunkers on the record. You know, the rest of it's really not a bad record at all. Most of the songs are pretty damn good. Top two for me. Right now, right now, I think that's just a, a, a perfect written song, right? Um, and then Pound Cake, that's the one that you, f- you first heard, the video before the record even came out. It's just so good. I don't know. It's just, to me, it's cool. There's probably catchier songs. There may be even better songs. But Pound Cake and Right Now are my top two on this one. Stephen, for me, my bottom two, Pleasure Dome and Spanked. <laughs> my top two right now is a perfect song. But my, my uh, number two was actually Judgment Day. There's something about the heaviness of that song that gets me going. There's some great songs on this album, but that's probably my second favorite song. Steven, how about you? My bottom two is pretty easy, and it's a three for Pleasure Dome, definitely on my bottom. And then I'll I'll take a cheat and go 316 uh, just because I think it's kind of a waste and just doesn't do anything for me. I'd rather hear I'd rather hear Spankline, baby, <laughs> than that. But my top, but my top two is really, really difficult because, I mean, there's honestly there's there's four songs on here that I absolutely loved, and so I guess for my top two, I'm gonna man. It's tough. There's four good songs. I'll say Pound Cake because it was the first thing I heard. And then, oh man, it's kind of a toss-up between Judgment Day, Run Around, and Top of the World. But Top of the World just always seems to make me feel so uh, so good. So I'll go with Top of the World. So the beginning and the end are my, my bookends. Tony, when was the last time you heard this album all the way through before you listened for this podcast? That's a really good question. Probably 91. Wow. This this album really never connected with me, which is probably why I never went to go see them on this tour. Yeah. If I had to guess, I mean, all the way, like sit down and listen to the record. Yeah. Probably 91, maybe 92, but it's been a really, really long time. Yeah. And I think the difference is you're coming back. Sammy's already in Van Halen, although you're in the Bay area, but you're always going to be connected more to the guitar player because you're a guitarist. Right. So for me, it was the singer, and that's why I was immediately connected to Sammy. So there was no way that after I started going to concerts in 85, 86, that I was missing Sammy. That was not happening ever, right? So, Stephen, do you listen to this album on the regular of any type all the way through? I will say that out of the three, well, out of the four Sammy records, out of these first three with Sammy, I listen to this one on the regular more than any of the other ones. For me, this is probably the best blend of that older, heavier Van Halen and the newer Sammy era stuff. So I just tend to lean towards this record a lot, although I've come on to love 5150 a lot more in more recent years. I mean, this is the one that brought me back to the fold. So it's it got brought a, you back, huh? Yeah, it's brought me back. It's got a special place in my heart. <laughs> yes, it brought me back or it bought me back. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> I know. See, fifty-one fifty for me definitely connected a lot more. I don't know. It just I was really getting into starting to play guitar at the time. I was super pumped about going to see my first rock concert. So that's why that one I think is a lot higher up on the food chain for me yeah. than this one. Yeah. Although this this is actually a good record though. 
All right, so you know we have to connect it to KISS. You wanted the best, but you got the best! The hottest band in the world, KISS! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. For the historic moment, okay, I don't mean to be a downer, but Eric Carr passed away in November 91. We're talking about 1991, and this is going to be the 30th year of his anniversary of his passing this year. So as a tribute, we're going to play a song that Eric actually co-wrote. So the song was written originally in the 80s. It was demoed by Eric, but it didn't make it to any of the Kiss albums. Bruce added a studio guitar track in 2001 because they were trying to revive some of the songs. And then Ted Poley added a vocal in 2006. So here it is. I guess we'll call them Eric Carr and Friends from the 2011 release called Unfinished Business with a song called Just Can't Wait.
Yeah, that song, I don't know whether it's Ted's voice or what, but it has that sort of pop danger danger feel to it. I mean, as far as the texture of the song, it's not a bad song. Tony, did you know it was Ted or you're like, I know what that voice is. Who the hell is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. See, I didn't know it was Ted at first because I was expecting that it was going to be Eric singing. But then when he started, I'm like, that's not Eric's voice. But I know that guy. It took me a while and I kind of I kind of landed on Ted. But you just confirmed it for me right now. But he's got a very distinct voice. So it's a good song, though. I liked it. Yeah, I think in a lot of the Eric Carr songs that have been revived over time. There's a part of me that likes it all because I'm an Eric Carr fan, you know, and there's no reason to say bad things about a guy's not around anymore. And he was trying, right? But you can tell that these songs were not exactly polished all the way through. Like Paul would have had to touch it. Ron Nevison would have had to touch it. Desmond Child would have had to touch it. There was something just like that little ingredient missing. And I'm not talking about guy made cookies with no sugar. I'm just saying he forgot to put chocolate chips in and he really needed it or whatever that might be. But a lot of his songs are that way. Anything I hear is that way. Yeah, it's just kind of basic, I guess you could say, right? It's just, yeah, it's it's basic and it's not, it just needs to get taken to the next level to really reach its full potential. Yeah. And I think what these guys are doing is as they're reviving some of this stuff, they're trying to keep the spirit of what the song was instead of making it this big, huge production. And then you kind of lose Eric in the mix all the way around. So I guess it's tough Mm -hmm. all the way around, but I don't know. Steven, wrap us up, buddy. That's it. Another one in the books. <laughs> Tony, what's going on with Restrain? You guys are working on new material, I hear? Yeah, you know, uh, since we're really still haven't started playing again yet, we just, uh, right after we put out the last one, God of War, last year, we just started writing again. Johnny and I have written uh, several songs, so we're, we're putting out an EP this time. we got about five songs on this one. It may be four, just depends, but it's probably going to end up being five. Uh, I'm just wrapping up my solos right now, and that's really it. Outside of that, everything else is done. And we're already working on the uh, next one. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Have you guys played any live shows post-pandemic or no? No. Our last show was November before Rona hit. So when we played with the, it was a slaughter. November of 2019. Is that when that is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's been a really long time. We're just trying to stay busy. Yeah. Kind of just closing this up. It's a good record. Like if you haven't heard it in a while. It it deserves a listen. There's no doubt. Songs like Spanked and Pleasure Dome, you're going to skip over them in the first 20, 30 seconds anyway. It's it's pretty easy to figure out what songs they are because they don't sound good right out of the gate. (laughs) Exactly. No surprises. They're upfront about how bad this song is going to be. Go ahead and hit the skip button. (laughs) That's what Sammy's saying in front of every song. He's like, hey, uh, you might want to turn. Hit skip. Hit hit skip. (laughs) Right, right? (laughs) It's It's backwards. It's in there backwards. I love the album. I think it sounds great and it flows well. And yes, sequencing does matter. So it's, it's good with me. I I agree with you on that one. Sequencing does matter. Sorry, Sonny, you're wrong. Uh, It does matter. And they did do a good job of sequencing on this record. They, they give you a couple good ones. Hey, here's a shit song. Here's another (laughs) couple good ones. Here's another shit song. (laughs) He's not necessarily totally wrong, but (laughs) But anyway, well, Tony, thanks for coming on and being part of this uh, Van Halen year-long album review thing. We've had a great time doing all these records, and it's made the year kind of go by fast as we've recorded all these episodes. And 
uh, I've certainly enjoyed it. I think Sonny has enjoyed it. And I think most of the people that have come on have enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it a lot. I've actually really enjoyed listening to the episodes because they're not records necessarily that you listen to all the way through all the time. So it got me listening to all of the older Van Halen stuff again. So it's been really great. So, and thank you for including me. I appreciate it. You got it. You got anything else there, Sonny? Yeah. My, uh, my love of doing this is about to end in one more album because, uh, yeah, well, whatever. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for all the feedback. And, uh, you know, we will uh, balance is next. Most of Tony's information for Restrained we'll put in the show notes, but I think it's, uh, what's the band website, Tony? Uh, it's Restrained.com, R-E-S-T-R-A-Y-N-E-D. Restrain.com. Yeah. He spells yep. it wrong, even if he doesn't put a Z at the end of God's, but that's all good. Yeah, we'll exactly. Put, we'll put all that information in the show notes. Thanks again. Next up, like Sonny said, balance. So until next time, see ya later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.